Harvey V, and welcome to the Clever Hybrids Podcast. Every season, we interview 12 bilingual professionals from around the world to hear their tips and to help you thrive in this multidimensional world. Let's jump right into the episode. I'm here with Diego Burgi, the CEO of Ducati Brazil. He's been in that position for nearly four years in Sao Paulo. His background is in accounting, finance, and administration. He's been working in the industry for over 10 years as an auditor and eventually a CFO for companies like Ernst & Young and Safido. He's also a clever hybrid. Diego, thank you so much for being here with us today. Yeah, my pleasure. It's an honor to participate in this podcast. I'm really happy to contribute and to share some knowledge with you and with all the audience. A lot of our listeners have seen in the news and they might be wondering how the situation is in Sao Paulo. What have you noticed? As a company leader, we are doing our best in order to keep people at home safe in this new normal. Because we definitely know that we cannot simply go back to the office and go back with our normal lives again. That we are in the middle pandemic. So we need to, first of all, respect and treat people well, and all the rest will come. That's true. How have you particularly adapted Ducati Brazil's strategy to compensate for what's going on? Early March, we implement, first of all, home office and along with our partner in the production site in the north of the country, uh, we stopped the production for almost a month in April. After that, we make sure that when the guys turn it the, to the production facility, we were really ready in order to receive everybody. Keep in mind that all the people that belong to the group of risk for the pandemic was obliged to stay at home. People are working with a, a minimum distance between each other, with all the cleaning measures, protocols and guidelines in order to be able to work in the production, especially in the North. But as I mentioned here in Sao Paulo, the business office is still closed. So we are a hundred days more or less in home office mode. By the way, people are enjoying home office Keep in mind that Sao Paulo, we have a huge issue with traffic jam here. So imagine that people are saving to be one hour and a half or two hours. Wow, yeah, that's a nice side benefit. And we implemented many actions for the employees. So in terms of customers and dealers, we implemented a program globally called Ducati Cares Safety First because the service side of the dealerships are being considered as an essential service, mainly because we have many professionals that ride bikes, even doctors, all the customers and the employees of the dealers are following what we call the 10 golden rules there to have a safe environment for both customers and employees in the dealerships. All right. What are some of those rules that you've seen have been helpful? 
generally speaking, the rules are the first and everybody are obliged to wear masks, not only wearing masks. Second rule is all the masks will be replaced on a timely basis. So every two hours we replace masks and now the gloves are replaced for everybody, even the, the customers. Visually speaking, we put in the dealerships all the, the indications to keep a safe distance between everybody. On a daily basis, we clean and sanitize all the installations of the store. We measure the temperature of everybody when they walk in and walk out of the store, and employees and customers. All the employees that present any type of symptoms of COVID-19, we keep them at home and we follow closely with the doctor that we have partnership in order to monitor the at-home stay of the employee. We make sure that all the employees wash the hands very frequently. We have some specific protocols to allow people to wear helmets and to test some specific apparel in the store where we don't see a possibility to have the minimal distance between people. We put some barrier uh, of protection. Generally speaking, these are the golden rules in order to uh, avoid further risks to employees, to customers when they walk in our dealerships across the country and globally. Okay. Yeah, that's very nice. It's a good compromise to keep the store open, but keep everybody safe, mass sanitizer barriers. It's a very nice project. I wanted to ask you also. You started in finance. How did you transition from CFO to CEO? Even though we're both executive positions, they are very different. You are completely right. They are really different positions. Since 2011, I was planning this step forward in my career. In 2011, I remember that I started as a CFO of another Italian company. And I started to prepare myself to become in the future a CEO. When I joined at Ducati in 2016, I aligned with the recruiters and all the executives of the company. The clear possibility to become a CEO in the Brazilian operation at that time, my predecessor was an Italian expatriate that was living here in Brazil. It was clear that it was only for a period of time. Originally, all the plans was to have this transition in 2018. However, it was really in 2016. So I joined in the company in January, May, June, I was being called by the board in Italy to evaluate this possibility. Since October, 2016, I'm CEO of the Brazilian operation in Ducati. It was earlier than I expected when I joined Ducati. However, it was really interesting, not easy. It was really demanding. Again, pure finance at that time, a pure finance guy demands a lot to adapt. The way to behave is quite different from one position to another one. Of course, the finance background helps a lot in terms of decision-making. It, it was something that was my personal target since 2011 or even before. 
and materialized it in 2016. Was I was really happy at the time, and still really happy in this position, but was was not easy, in, especially in the first year. So we a lot of adaptation, a lot of effort, long hours, learning a huge learning process about especially the business and other topics that is really different from CEO to CEO. Okay. That's really good strategic planning you did there all the way from 2011. Wow. Yes. Yeah. I, I prepare a personal career plan that state that until I complete 25 years old, I want to be a manager. Until I complete 30 years old, I want to be a director or similar position. Until I complete 35 years old, I want to be a country manager, CEO or similar position. On top of that, I add what is really necessary to get there. So to be a manager, to be a director, to be a CEO, so all the soft and hard skills that you need to have in order to achieve a specific position. Not very complex, but very objective and simple career plan. And at the end, I, I followed really close my personal targets and I achieved the first target of manager, the first target of director and then the last target of CEO, all of them in time based on my career plan. So it was really interesting. It's great. A goal without a plan is just a dream. So you did a good job on it. That time as a region is really growing, but according to the 2018 English first English proficiency index, it's still behind Europe, Asia, and Africa in terms of English proficiency. Even with LATAM's three largest economies, only Argentina has high proficiency, followed by Brazil and Mexico, both with very low proficiency levels. What do you think needs to change that in the future? That's completely true, but my vision for the future, it's linked to uh a specific answer. So the answer is always education. The country really needs deeply invest English and also other languages like Spanish, that it's really mandatory in the region to speak Spanish as well. You can find uh, all these languages skills, usually in the high classes of the country. People usually speak two or three languages. So until we, we change the general mindset of the politicians and the population, to education first, changes are quite compromises. If we cannot change this mindset, especially the politicians, it will be difficult to change this scenario, honestly. It's that's true. How do you think as things start to change, will internet open more possibilities for people? What's your view on that? Amazing job in terms of inclusiveness and access to something that uh, in, I don't know, two, three, four years ago, they wouldn't even dream about. So internet will, and, and are in fact, changing the life of many, many people, especially people with low resources. And luckily in Brazil, we have a lot of initiatives, especially 
in the poor community that we call here favelas. They are trying to make people from the favela really connected in order to make sure that they are really experiencing the connection with the world that can change drastically the life of everybody. They can learn a lot of things in the internet that in the recent past, they could not. The internet has a big impact in the lives of everybody. That's a good point. A lot has changed in the past five years. Yeah, and especially now in the pandemic, people are discovering many things to do online. It's really great. People are learning new things, new language. People discovered themselves during the pandemic thanks to the internet. How did you personally learn English? I personally learned English at the basic level of English in school. That's almost 30 years ago. I started to learn the basics. The milestone for my English skill was when I worked at Ernst Young. I understood that for myself, based on the famous career plan that I, I share with you, the concept, English was crucial to develop my, my personal career target. I started to learn by myself. I download many audiobooks in English. I started to see movies with subtitles in English. I started to read a lot of books in English rather than in Portuguese. As much as possible, I try to, to explore my English skills when I have the opportunity to speak with someone from abroad. The real boost in my life was really a self-learning movement. The only way was entering in the meetings, trying to do some calls to people from abroad. But there was no specific guideline to learn English. In my case specifically, was more curiosity and focus and this that you have to be self-motivated to keep going. Yeah, always. But no, not only for English, but especially for English, it was really crucial, this type of being. It's true. How do you feel that being bilingual has benefited you personally and professionally? When you are traveling, for example, to the US, UK, or other countries, even Europe, or Asia, when you really speak English, you're able to do 10 or 20 things more than a person that really doesn't speak English, you know? And by the way, sometimes when you depend to someone else to translate something that you need really quickly, the translation is not always a hundred percent the message that you want to ask and the message that you receive from someone else. It's always the best solution to, to make sure that you have the direct channel of communication in this experience, like a, a, a travel or a business trip. It's really mandatory, more than crucial, more than important. It's simply mandatory for life to learn other languages. Uh, of course, start with English. It's the most popular in the world. Do not stop in English. That's very true. That's a nice word, mandatory. <laughs> what was the hardest part for you at the beginning when you were trying to get from a beginner to intermediate? So 
I remember that one of the barriers or the first part of learning English was to understand native speakers when they speak really fast. I remember now that the worst part of English is to understand foreign people, to understand all the words and all the differences. Listening was the most critical part of the first part of my English learning. And by the way, I have some friends from UK or even US that they still cannot understand when some people speak English because of the accent. So accent is, is something that is, is quite complicated to accommodate because it's a different skill. It's very true. Most of my students tell me they have trouble. I, I remember some cases that I used it to have some calls with people in a company that I worked with, and it's quite difficult to understand the accent. They, they have a good level of English, but it's quite difficult to understand because they start to speak fast with a different accent and so on. So it was a really inter interesting learning curve. Yeah, it's a, a very important tip. What would you say to someone who's struggling right now, maybe financially, or they had some goals that might be on hold? First of all, keep strong and never give up. It's really worth all the time and all the investment. In terms of investment, nowadays it's easy to accommodate in this new world. So all the online material available for everybody. You can reach people in order to train and practice English that in the past was quite difficult to find people abroad. So yeah, eventually you could find, but nowadays it's quite easy. It's a matter of seconds to find someone to practice or train English. It's very good advice. Diego, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. What are some ways that people can get in touch with you on social media if they were to ask you a question? The main channel that I use is LinkedIn. Diego Borghi is my personal account and also in my Instagram at uh, Diego Borghi. You can find me there as well. Still want more? First, subscribe or follow the Clever Hybrids podcast wherever you're listening to this and you can binge listen to our 30 plus episodes. If you want help to create a podcast or content for your business, check out our website, cleverhybrids.com. And as always, welcome to the Clever Hybrids Tribe. This is Gabby V signing off. See you next time.